0: Welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. It is a pleasure to be with
1: you this evening. I'm so excited because we are finishing up The 11-month, 66-city tour of the Rebel Road. It has been an incredible experience of really just leaping out into the world, not having a clue as to what I was doing, getting on stage, singing, being a comedian, and sharing stories. And to see people show up, to see the magic, the signs, the symbols, the synchronicities that I talk about that occur that are in my first book, Conversations with the Universe, and then to leap forward in that place of courage and childlike wonder and enthusiasm and curiosity as I speak about in my second book, Your Journey to Enlightenment. I have lived both of those books ten times over in this past year. So I invite you to Atlanta next weekend. The final three events will be taking place. And if you're wanting to see the Rebel Road show live and be inspired and be opened and allow yourself to see that you have everything you need right now to be experienced, experiencing itself, and step into your greatness. I would love to see you in person. So you can go to the website, therebelroad.com or simran-sing.com and find out more about where we will be in Atlanta next weekend and come see me. In addition, definitely um, get your free access to 1111 Magazine. It is my bi monthly gift to humanity that really shares so many amazing voices around the world, wisdom, bright lights inspiration, and beautiful imagery so that you can truly allow yourself to be nursed and nurtured through its pages. It is always there, all of the archives. All you have to do is just click right on each magazine that you want to see. You don't even need to sign up. They're all right there for you. So definitely take advantage of that. And all of the archive shows on 1111 Talk Radio, always here to fully support you and bring you amazing people that are truly standing in their light. And the one that I have tonight is definitely a beautiful, beautiful heart that I want you to meet. And her name is Regina Cates, and she has written a beautiful book called Lead With Your Heart, Creating a Life of Love, Compassion, and Purpose. So if you know that life has its challenge, if you know that sometimes we hit moments of rock bottom, but you're not quite sure what to do in those moments to get out of where you are, this is definitely a book that will help lead you there. And it's also a book that will allow you, regardless of if you've been there and think you've come back, to take you down the path again, to reawaken the way to lead with your own heart, to really allow yourself to step into the compassion and purpose from a different perspective, because in every new moment, we are a new person. In Lead With Your Heart, Regina Kate asks us to question our notion of what success and happiness really mean, and this is a really, really important book when it comes to this, because it is time to redefine how we believe things are. She is the co-founder of Romance in Your Soul, and she conducts workshops, teleclasses, and one-on-one sessions to help people uncover love and meaningfulness in their lives. Lead with Your Heart is her first book and a beautiful book at that. Welcome, Regina Cates, to 1111 Talk Radio.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Imran. It's such an honor to be with you.
1: Well, I'm excited because it is a book that you can tell uh, your Heart Has Been Poured Into. It is also a book that is spoken with a voice of authenticity and realism. And it is a book that allows people to understand that we all have our situations in life that lead us to places where we don't value ourselves or where we don't love ourselves or where we break down or where life doesn't look like we wish it would look. And yet, that's the hero's journey. That's what we're all here to do and then learn how to rise up through. And I think your book really allows individuals to look at that walk and then see the steps to rise up through what they think is the mess and discover that through that they are the message and the messenger in the process just as you have done.
2: That was my intention, and thank you so much for your observations because there's nothing greater, I think, Simran, than, than being able to share our heart with the world and, and have it touch other people, you know. It's not necessarily we do that uh, with the intent on changing someone else. We do that with the intent on sharing our heart and allowing other people to see how beautiful they are and then choose to make those changes themselves.
1: Well, you begin the book with really letting people get comfortable because you illustrate the realism that we all are. We, we do find ourselves in moments where we're triggered by people or where we react to people or where we say something back in a snide way to people. And, and you start off with some of those stories and also the opportunity to make a choice. Talk a little bit about how your journey actually began on that sofa and realizing that something had to change.
2: I was uh, around 43 years old, and I was having one of the most incredible pity parties of my life. Not that I hadn't experienced these before, but I think this was probably the, the, the doozy of the pity party. And, you know, it, it was so interesting because I consider it today to be such a miracle in my life. You know, I'd had many ahas before that day, but I think this was the surrender moment in my life someone when i just said you know i don't want to feel this way anymore and something so magical happened for me and i think it happens to all of us when we have that surrender moment of i'm tired of being a victim what can i do about it Mm -hmm. there was a little voice within my heart you know i ask a question of myself who's actually responsible for creating the life you say you want and the miracle was i answered i am And all of a sudden it was like everything fell into place and I don't mean I haven't had challenges since then I certainly am going to continue to grow and learn for the rest of my life but there was a shift that I think happens for all of us when we have that awakened moment when we really realize with our heart that we're responsible for creating the life we want we're responsible for letting go of the past and no longer allowing it to define us and define our present so that was the moment of aha for me, I think, that really was the culmination of a life's work of, hey, you know, this is, this is an interesting life and a lot of weird things have happened to me and a lot of painful things, but do I want those to define me, to encourage anger and rage and feeling like a victim, or do I want to pull myself out of that? And that was the realization that I have to be the one that does it.
1: Well, and I think that also what you bring to light uh, that, that many people don't realize is if we're having these repeated events, these different experiences, and not just in one place in our life, but in many places in our life from relationships to health issues, to finances, to job issues, then there is a common denominator. And, and there is something that we're seeking externally that, that really needs to be found internally, what was the first choice that you made in diverting the attention from
2: the outside to the inside? Mm, goodness, you know what, Simran? we're going to have to go back really, really uh, a long time ago in my childhood because when my, my history was, was one of persecution from organized religion. You know, I grew up knowing from a very early age that I was different. Uh, I was gay and born gay, and I I knew this when I was about four or five years old, and so being raised in this particular environment of people who told me that I was wrong and going to hell was really a recipe for, for disaster and rage, so I think that what has happened in my life is that I have really fought to remain true to myself and who I was born to be. Um, despite what everybody else wanted me to do. And I think that at the age of 43, I finally just reached the end of my rope in waiting for other people to accept me for who I was, you know, because I've always tried to be a kind person and a caring person. I've really mistreated myself a lot more than I mistreated other people, even though I did mistreat others, you know. But I think that really was the aha that I had for me, is that no one else is going to make me feel worthy. I need to go ahead and make my own self feel worthy. So from the age of a little bitty child who had to deal with these particular issues, and I want to say right now, mine are not unique. You know, all of us carry something. Mine just looked like that. I think was staying aligned with who I was born to be, is, is a challenge for us when we're being told that that's not correct, it can't be. So at the age of 43, I just decided to say, well, forget it. I'm not going to care anymore what other people think. I'm going to strive every day to be the best person I possibly can be.
1: Beautiful. You talk about asking
2: the hard questions and really
1: looking honestly into the heart and from the heart at the way that we behave in our lives and the experiences that we're having. Sometimes we fool ourselves into not really wanting to ask those questions, so we ask lesser questions. Talk about getting to how one gets to a place of really letting themselves delve more deeply into the harder questions and loving themselves enough through the process, even if they might not be able to love themselves in the moment.
2: Sure, because I didn't love myself in the moment. I didn't know what love was. You know, I was told that I was wrong. I had no idea what love really was. So I think that this entire process of asking ourselves, you know, some very challenging questions about ourselves really is what self-love is about. Let me give you a, a small example from my life. I smoked cigarettes for 22 years, about two packs a day. And for all of those you know all of those years, I was convincing myself that it was actually good for me, that it calmed my stress. But what was happening is just like you mentioned a moment ago, I was kidding myself i wasn 't asking myself hard questions and honestly wanting the answers. The day that I sat down and, and i wasn 't able to breathe i wasn 't I was coughing coughing up nasty stuff, I was constantly sick. The day that I sat down and I said, look, really, let's look at what smoking does for you. And I wrote down on a piece of paper all of what I thought was positive and then all I thought was negative. You know what? That really opened my heart to the truth that I was lying to myself. So for me, and I think for each of us, asking ourselves hard questions is the way that we become self-intimate. Because when we're lying to ourselves, we're disconnected from that part of us, the heart, the soul, that really is the honest part of us. And that's the part that we want to share.
1: Well, and I think when we ask those hard questions, the first thing that comes up is uh, fear. You know, fear of, goodness, I'm going to have to tell myself the truth or other people are going to realize that, you know, a truth that maybe I'm not willing to see, maybe they already know it. You know, so facing that fear of, of either staying as you are, as well as the fear of no longer being who you are, how did you deal with that? Because I think a lot of people are as afraid of the new identity as they are of remaining in the identity they're in.
2: Absolutely. I was terrified of who I was going to be without cigarettes. You know, when you define yourself for 22 years as something, my goodness, what are you going to be when you don't have them? And again, I think that it was through the process of asking myself honestly, you know, really, really loving myself. This is a process of self-love. And I I determined that that's really what it was. You know, I can't be a good friend to someone else unless I'm a good friend to myself. I, there were too many times that I betrayed others. So Every time that I was comfortable betraying myself, I really realized that I was betraying I was would be comfortable betraying other people. That's why I think it's so very important that we share our story of really getting to the heart of what is right with us and what is not right with us. Because when we develop that self-intimacy, that honesty, then we can have those authentic relationships that we want to have with other people. It was impossible for me to have a good relationship with anyone else until I had that with myself. So that's what this book is really all about. It's my journey of how I learned to have a good relationship with myself So that i could have a good one with someone else and even though i was fearful of what i would be on the other side of these things i needed to change i also knew within my heart that that was just an illusion fear was the illusion of me thinking it was going to be too hard to change or people wouldn't like the new me all of those things we tell ourselves are just excuses and they're not real but as you
1: go through the book, you depict many stories that help people really understand and see themselves, because you're, you're talking about subjects that most people have dealt with in some way, shape, or form in their own lives. How did you use other people and other relationships to help you recognize the pieces of yourself
2: that needed to change? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I listened to them. <laughs> I believe really one of the best gifts that we can give to ourselves, and I have to tell you our ego doesn't want to do this. My ego didn't want to do this. It was like I'm the one that's always right about me. You know, Mm -hmm. I I finally figured out that I wasn't always right about me. You know, I've had so many experiences in my life that other people have shared things about me that were actually true, and when I really stopped to listen to them, because these folks cared for me, They weren't some stranger on the street pointing out a behavior you know, that they observed once. These were folks in my life, intimate people within my life, friends and family, that continued to point out the same thing over and over, and finally, I heard them. And you know what I learned in that process, and I think it's good for all of us, is that it does not pay just to shoot the messenger, especially if someone is coming at us with love. You know, Regina, you don't listen. Regina, you're too quick to judge. I mean, my goodness, what a wealth of information I have learned about myself Mm -hmm. from listening to those people that love me. This is a gift we give to one another, but we have to put that ego aside that immediately wants to shoot the messenger.
1: Well, and you talk about in the book how we develop belief systems about things, and we really do anchor into those belief systems, but like you said, people are are always giving us feedback, and we don't necessarily want to believe that stuff, but maybe that is the thing that we really need to hear so that we can change, and maybe the very beliefs that we hold on to so tightly are the things that we need to stop listening to so that we
2: can change. You know, I think that uh, in my experience, you can take the maybe off of there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty much convinced that that's exactly what it is. You know, for me, this this entire work and my entire life is really devoted to helping people see that their ego is not their friend. You know, <laughs> it's it's the heart of us that is so beautiful and wonderful and okay. Uh, you know, we, we're willing to admit our mistakes because we want to learn so that we can grow. So... I definitely take that maybe often today. Uh, I listen when people say something about my behavior, but what else I want to say about this is that we get to the point in this self-loving journey that very few people comment on our behavior because we've already taken care of it.
1: Mm. While sitting alone on her 43rd birthday, Regina Cates hit an emotional bottom with the realization that prior to that moment, she'd been caught up in the rat race of trying to live up to other people's expectations. And as a result, she had given away one of her most important gifts, the power of choice. Regina realized that while we can't control other people or situations, we do have a choice in how we respond to them. Regina Cates shows us that if we choose to act from a place of love instead of a place of fear, we make our lives and the lives of those around us better in the process. Throughout this wonderful book entitled Lead With Your Heart, Creating a Life of Love, Compassion, and Purpose, Regina shares her amazing and often heart-wrenching story of how she moved away from a volatile, victimized frame of mind to a place of making conscious actions and decisions from a centered, heart-driven state. By following along with Regina's personal stories and practicing the exercises, and there's some beautiful exercises that she's developed, we can all learn how to choose positive heart-centered solutions for the difficulties in our lives. Definitely connect with Regina Cates. She inspires thousands of people every day to live the lives of limitless possibility by encouraging them to lead with their hearts. You can find out more at RomanceInYourSoul.com. That's RomanceInYourSoul.com. We'll be right back with Regina Cates and her new book, Lead With Your Heart, right after this.
0: (laughs) The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444... Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. dot magcom The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek Greater Awareness. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you would like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Simron at simron-sing@.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simron Singh. 20 years ago,
1: I walked upstairs into a room that a holy man was sitting in As I sat down, I knew that he was going to ask me a question because that's what the people downstairs had told me he would do. In that moment, he said, you have a choice. You can pick one or the other, but you can't have both. Will you choose happiness or will you choose success? Ask yourself that question. It might put you in a little bit of a frenzy when you think you have to ask for one or the other. And I would love to um, go into this topic with my guest because this is exactly what she also speaks about in her book Lead With Your Heart Creating a Life of Love Compassion and Purpose In our left brain dominated world of logic and ego where it can be easy to get caught up in the rat race of success and living up to other people's expectations of us author Regina Kate says we've forgotten the importance of the heart and to the right to right the ship she maintains it's not enough to just follow your heart you have to lead with it the book Lead With Your Heart offers a combination of wise advice, compelling anecdotes, and practical strategies for living a life that is authentic, fulfilling, and healing. Each section includes meditations and exercises that lead you to living from the heart. Among the lessons in the book are ask yourself hard questions, owning your behaviors, creating what you want in life, facing your fears, setting boundaries, and thinking differently. Regina asked us to question our notion of what success and happiness really mean, and with her guidance, you will learn how to consciously act from a place of love instead of a place of fear, creating a life that is a true reflection of the wisdom of your heart. Welcome back, Regina. So, if you were asked the question, do you choose happiness or do you choose success, how would you have responded? Happiness is
2: success. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) happiness is success absolutely sure
1: (laughs) yeah and 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 success in the way that we have typically defined it or illustrated it by example through the media and through society does not always lead to
2: happiness does it no ma'am absolutely it does not in fact my life is a perfect example of that you know i had I had the big corner office and I had all of the employees and I had the big car and the fancy house and the huge credit card debt and <laughs> all of these these other things and I want to tell you something there was not a moment of that where I was happy. Mm. Nope. Nope. I because I was so I was allowing people other people up. to define what success means to me. You know, I mean I grew mm. up with that simran we all did with that idea of you've got to be productive you've got to produce you've got to make money you've got to do these things but there was never any emphasis on the balance that is necessary within life it's okay to be wealthy it's okay to have position and titles but at the end of the day when all of that is stripped away from you what is the real meaning of your life what brings you joy Virginia, when you
1: start to make those changes and you come into those realizations of, you know, success that I have might not really be what I want or it doesn't feel as good as I thought or it's not giving me truly the abundance in other areas of my life that I thought I would have, there's a moment where we have to start setting boundaries, that we have to start really looking at who we're living with, who we're dealing with, how we're dealing with them. Talk a little bit about the setting of boundaries, and are we setting boundaries to keep people out, or are we setting boundaries to keep ourselves in?
2: Well, to answer your last question, I think both, okay? I I really do. I think that in my life, I've come to understand that we cannot associate with absolutely everyone that comes in and out of our life. It's just not possible. There There are some people that we need to just remove from our life or set permanent boundaries with, even if those are family, and I know that's the most difficult area because I've done it. But, you know, it, it's, it's amazing when we, when we go ahead and learn to say no, Simran, it's so healing and happy and, and joyful. When we're able to do what we know is right for us, Even if everybody else in the world is telling you that you're wrong, you know, growing up as a gay child in a a fundamentalist southern part of the United States in that Christian church, I was pretty much convinced until I was about 18 years old that I was the only person on earth that was gay no one to talk to. So, you know, uh, setting boundaries and, and loving yourself and remaining aligned with what you're supposed to be in life, and for that I mean a person of character, a person of honor, a person who leads with their heart, because that's really who we are. We are the soul. The soul has no gender. It has no sexual preference. It's just who we are. You know, we have to say no to those people that want us to be something that we cannot be very important in self-love, and it's very important in loving others, too. Now, some people will make certain choices to improve their
1: lives, but have a difficulty in, in, in really standing up to people or saying certain things that, that need to happen. Can you talk about how, how doing nothing is, is just as unloving as allowing uh, allowing no boundaries in our life, because I think there's some people that think if they just sit back and do nothing, the problems will solve themselves.
2: Well... Simon, I seem to be surrounded by that, and I think you do too, because we're now in a, in a position globally that you and I need to be the people that act to change climate, and we need to act to change war. We need to do a lot of things. So what we do within our own personal lives is going to be reflective of what we do in our collective lives. So if we're sitting around waiting for a savior or someone to come and rescue us from a circumstance, or if we just feel like sweeping this problem under the rug is going to take care of it, then that's one of those things that I did for many years and I think that any of us who do that really realize deep in our heart this isn't going to make change. We're not going to change by waiting for someone else to come along and do it. We have to take the bull by the horn, so to speak, and we have to set those boundaries. We have to be the ones that take action. And even though our mind is going to tell us it's the most difficult thing to do, we could lose friends, we could rock the boat, we could do all of these other things, let me share a little piece of wisdom that is not original to me. Albert Einstein, who we all know and care about very much, not only for all of his scientific abilities, but also for his heart, said, No situation can be changed at the same level of awareness that created it. Mm. If we all lived by this, Simran, then we would really understand the power of boundaries to bring a higher level of awareness to a circumstance so that we can change it.
1: You know, from the beginning, I think very, very early on, we're we're kind of shown how to fit in with the crowd, how to you know, you want to do things this way so that everyone likes you. You want to dress this way so that you're in with the, with the click. You want to uh, attend these events because that's the, the events that that group will, will, will be at and then you'll be found acceptable. There comes a moment where we have to be willing to be unique and individual, that we have to be willing to say it really does not matter what other people think. It really does not matter if I'm not part of the crowd. What was that moment for you, and how did you find the strength to let yourself be that individual so that you could become your own person and then allow yourself to attract the new tribe, the new family that would be the
2: ones that were really, in your, as in your words, like-hearted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like-hearted. Yeah, you know I don't like the word like-minded. <laughs> I think that's that's part of the reason that we have difficulties is that we're all together sharing the same mishigaf in our mind. We need to get into our heart. (laughs) I, I would suspect that it was a culmination on my 43rd birthday because after that, you know, I really had some experiences where I was shown through the power of my own actions that when I was true to myself, that people liked me for who I was. See, here's the thing that we're, we're kidding ourselves about. When we are truly authentic, when we're truly who we are and who we are born to be, people love us. Why? Because they want to be authentic too. You know, whoever these people are that tell us how to dress and what to do and what to watch, if you'll notice, most of them are trying to sell us something. If if we really pay attention, they're trying to sell us something because we are a, a, a world of rampant consumerism. You know, this too is causing many problems within our homes, within our society, because we have to work four and five jobs in order to buy all these things to impress someone else. I think the time for us, and what my goal is, is to really help parents realize that the time to tell their child to be who they are is the moment that they're born not to listen to anyone else as far as they, whoever these people are that are shaping us. Let's let these children be who they were born to be, and let's give them the values and the morals so that they will be able to do that and stand up to those people that challenge that.
1: Well, and in doing so, I think we're also... We're modeling a lot of behaviors to young people, and we ourselves have behaviors, I know that I did for quite a while, of multitasking and trying to get everything done as fast as I could. We all fall into that trap. Talk about multitasking and how detrimental it is to
2: not only our health, but our spirituality, our well-being. Yeah, you know, because it's not even possible. It's a myth. (laughs) That's what's so interesting is that we've convinced ourselves of something that we actually cannot do. You know, yes, I can drive and talk on the phone at the same time. But the fact of it is, is that my human brain is not at the place yet where it can do, pay attention to two things at once. This is very important for us to understand and to manage as technology continues to grow and as people demand us to do more things because the proof is in, in the research that says, no, we actually slow down, we actually make more mistakes. And when it comes to spirituality, it disconnects us from our heart because if we are not present, fully concentrating on what we're doing in the moment, then our heart is, is off somewhere else. It's, it's always with us but our attention is not on how we can behave best in a circumstance. We become robotic, and that is not what we're intended to be. Technology is a tool for our soul, not the other way around. And our children are learning this. They're watching us. We need to be very careful to let them know that it has an off button, and we need to be very careful to let them know how to use technology. Let me tell you a real brief story. I was on an airplane recently with a woman who's the HR director for a major airline, and she said, Regina, the problem that I see today with young people is that they can't look me in the eye because they're, they've been too busy texting. This is how they're communicating. They have lost or have no clue how to have a relationship with a human being. How in the world do you think that's going to work to help them create the best life possible? We have to be the ones that tell them, look, you know, when you slow down and pay attention to what you're doing, you're going to accomplish a heck of a lot more in one day than most people will who try to multitask. Well,
1: and when we look at multitasking... When it comes to the pain that we feel or an an obstacle or a challenge that shows up in our life that is requiring us to be present with our emotions, most of us slightly feel what we're going through or we keep getting by, but we get ourselves busy or we or put ourselves in some other situation so that we kind of have to feel it in small doses. That's just another form of multitasking because we're not fully present to the experience that is asking something of us in that moment, how would you or how did you allow yourself to really stop the multitasking in those moments, especially the profoundly painful moments that really needed your full attention for you to birth something out of them?
2: Yeah. You know what? I realized that I could continue to run for the rest of my life. I could continue to do shopping therapy or I could continue to uh, you know inhale all of my emotions with cigarettes or i can continue to blame everyone else but what i was really doing was sweeping everything under the rug i was barely feeling life i was not present in order to actually experience the bad things but you know what happened i wasn't present to experience the good things either so when a wonderful emotion came by i wasn't able to feel that you know, we're designed to feel life, and it's not always going to be good. But if we surrender to the moment and just allow those emotions to, to flood over us and go through us and experience those things, it, we become like a colander. We let those emotions flow over us, but we don't bury them or hide them. You know, one of the myths that we tell ourselves is if we just don't feel it, it'll go away. You know, just like sweeping it under the rug, it doesn't happen. We become angry. We become miserable. We project this stuff onto other people when we could just sit back and let it flow over us, the good and the bad. It's its what life is all about, feeling.
1: Yeah, I know in my own experience, you know, in my, in my depths of pain, what came through was 1111 Magazine, and it was a way for me to experience healing, experience growing, experience learning in the process of creativity because I do truly believe that depression is a cry for creativity, that anxiety is a reaching back to the creative self. Did you find that in your uh, breakdown or dropping through life that something else was birthing at the same time that allowed your walk of healing and wholeness to be a part of that new birthing.
2: Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that every challenge that we go through when we view it as an opportunity to grow, we blossom. Look what's been created through all of the pain in my life and sharing that. You know, one of the things that I'm a true believer in is that we can learn through positive experiences just as well as negative, but everything that we go through in life is an opportunity for us to birth something fantastic from that experience. That's what happened for me on the 43rd birthday for the last time. I really, realize that I can take all of this stuff and use it for good, my good and other people's good. What a creative process that was. What an incredible gift that I have given to myself that that I get to share with the world. Sure, absolutely.
1: My guest today is Regina Cates, and she is the author of Lead With Your Heart, Creating a Life of Love, Compassion, and Purpose. This is a book that really asks you to question your notion of what success and happiness really mean. And with her guidance, you can learn how to consciously act for a place of love instead of a place of fear. It allows you to have wise advice, compelling anecdotes, and practical strategies for living a life that is authentic, fulfilling, and healing. You can find out more about Regina Cates along with all of the different workshops and sessions, personal one-on-ones, and teleclasses that she Facilitates by going to her website romancingyoursoul.com. That's your romancingyoursoul.com. We'll be right back with Regina.
0: This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living, 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com, 1111mag.com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you would like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to Simron at simron-sing@.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simron Singh.
1: My guest today is Regina Kate, and she helps people awaken to lives of limitless possibility. After a long, painful journey to unshackle her own life, she co-founded Romancing Your Soul, and she is today the source of inspiration for tens of thousands of people all over the globe who fill her teleclasses, events, and personal consultations. Her first book is just released, and it is entitled Romancing Your Soul, a guide to leading with your heart, and she intends to lead an even greater audience toward the higher wisdom of their soul. Using the language of shared experiences, Virginia communicates universal truths in a down-to-earth manner everyone can understand. Her spot-on description of the human condition inspires people to take responsibility for their actions, words, and thoughts, creating beneficial change in their lives and in the lives of others. The book is entitled Lead With Your Heart, Creating a Life of Love, Compassion, and Purpose, and you can find out about that along with all of the other work that she does at romancingyoursoul.com. So definitely check her out and order your book off of Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or anywhere else that books are sold. Welcome back, Regina. I think that Mm -hmm. overall, what we're each here to do, that our ultimate life purpose for each and every one of us is probably the journey back to self-love. And there are many, many people that would say that I do love myself. Um, Number one if we love ourselves, do our lives reflect that love? And number 2, if you had to tell someone uh about this journey back to loving the self, where is it that you would tell them to actually
2: start their first step? Mm, that's good. I think I think get the book and and go through the first step like I did, but uh, for today, let me let me share, because it is an um, involved process, and as you know, this is a journey, and it's, it's one of many steps, but let me tell you the first thing I think is really to know what love is, because I don't think a lot of us really understand what love is. Mm. Uh, I certainly didn't growing up, I see it on TV, I see it mirrored in my relationships, but You know, my parents fought with one another and yelled at one another so what really is love and that's what i spent so many years of my life trying to figure out because unless i know what that is i certainly can't give it to myself and unless i have it within to give i can't give it to others so for me love is affection and caring but love is tangible love is action it is the it is emotion in action actually so if i'm going to love myself then i am going to become someone who is patient with myself forgiving understanding cooperative uh, accepting all of these behaviors of love that i've identified i think 26 in the book and there's probably more but if i love myself i'm loyal i'm honest with myself i no longer you know do the little white lies with myself i no longer do little white lies with others i work as hard as I possibly can to expressing my authentic self, and that's what love is. So I think when we really define love and we really understand that even though we can care for someone and we can have affection, even our pets and and other people and the world itself, it is through the actions that we express that. And once we realize that, then we can make these patience, understanding, cooperation, loyalty, honesty, and all of the others ways of being. This isn't a laundry list of things we have to remember, Simran. These are ways of being. So it's about changing old habits of impatience, of multitasking, and all of these other things we do into new habits. Well, and I
1: think that that's, that's one of the distinctions. Um, just as you go into the distinction between you know, happiness and success, I think a lot of people have this misunderstanding about doing and being and and how to apply that to their lives, especially when it comes to things like being love or being forgiveness or being kind. Um, when we're when we're talking about the ultimate state of being, can you talk about what that looks like uh, as Regina Cates beyond uh what once you've you've gone into the action and you truly have become self love for yourself what does that outpicture into the world?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's exactly what you get. What you what you are is what you give to the world. So here's what it looks like for me: when I'm in a traffic jam in Los Angeles, California, the second largest city in the United States, then I have an opportunity to be patient, to know that I have to accept the circumstance for what it is, rather than being impatient and thinking that I can affect some sort of miraculous change, like parting the sea. So this is what it looks like. You know, for so many years, Simran, I was, I was very perplexed about what it looks like to be a spiritual being on a great human adventure. I certainly didn't learn that through any of my religious training. So I set about to really figure out what this is. So when we are loving ourselves, we are aligned with the heart, the wiser part of us, and it looks like those actions, they're little tiny actions. We remain kind to someone who is rude to us. We do not ego box. We do not stoop to the behavior of other people. You know, unless there's life at risk or, or we're trying to protect life, then we do not engage with those folks who just want to pick a fight. These are the little actions that we take every day that keep us aligned with heart. Here's what happens. Here's the miracle. It is our behavior that creates our life, and our our life is can be happy based upon how we act. So the goal for me And what I would like to share is that we're in charge of our own outcome from our behavior. This leads to happiness, and it's not something beyond our control. Other people don't determine how we act. We do. That is self-love. When we step up and are patient, then we are loving ourselves. We're also expressing as our heart and our soul and our spiritual being.
1: Mm. There's a section in the book Whenever I, I get a book from any person that I'm going to feature on the show, I open just randomly to see what pops up, and I read that piece. So I want to read this for all of you right now. You want to, be, you want to love and be loved. You want to have deep relationships. You want to avoid problems and make life easier. You want to live a life of meaning. How can you live a life of meaning? by leading with your feeling and responsible heart, rather than being led by an unfeeling and egocentric mind. You seek the most important part of something by getting to the heart of the matter. Putting your heart into something is doing your best, not from fear of punishment or expectation of reward, but rather for the personal satisfaction of a job well done. Crossing your heart is promising to keep your word. When you are facing life's challenges, you have to have heart in order to remain aligned with the self-confidence and determination necessary to pick yourself up and carry on. This is from the book Leave With Your Heart, Creating a Life of Love, Compassion, and Purpose by Regina Cates. Regina, when we're talking about self-love, oftentimes the very first place that we can even get to is tolerance tolerance of ourselves and tolerance to other people. And then after that, it might be kindness, just learning how to be kind. As you go through the book, you use a lot of different scenarios and language where where you, you illustrate to people that, that that there are times when a person can be snide or a person can be snappy and you find yourself in the same place. Talk about the steps in moving through tolerance to kindness, to forgiveness, to self-love, and, and, and how that process can look and feel um, on
2: that emotional plane. Mm-hmm. Let me give you a story from the book and from my life. Would that be okay, a short story? Yes, that would be perfect. Okay. Well, this this was a major aha uh-huh for me. You know, we have lots and lots of ahas in our lives, but this was a major aha uh-huh for me. I was working as the MBA program director for a small college in Georgia, and I overheard a secretary address a professor as Mr. X instead of Dr. X. Well, being in academia, I know how these people think, and there's a lot of them have a big ego. So he was really upset that she had not called him Dr. X and acknowledged his title. So I jumped to her rescue, and I put my big mouth where it really shouldn't have been because she was not in danger, and I was embarrassed and and said some things that I should not have said or regretted later, went back to my office, had a great weekend, came back, and I found the most unbelievably nasty email from this man telling me how rude I was, how horrible I was, everything else. Immediately, Simran, immediately my ego took over, and I started writing this huge email to him outlying everything that he had done wrong in our entire exchange here's another miracle i stopped and for a moment my heart spoke to me and i heard it And my heart said regina are you treating him the way that you would want to be treated no is what you're about to do going to make a huge difference in his life and honestly Simon, i had to answer with my heart and say no i erased that nasty email and i wrote to him and said dear dr x Please forgive me for behaving inappropriately. Accept my apology. I'm truly sorry. Sincerely, Regina V. Cates. Here's the miracle, ladies and gentlemen. When I left the college, Dr. X is the only person that gave me a present. He was Mm. also instrumental in helping me pass many of the policies and procedures that I would not have been able to do without him on my side. Here's the real lesson. Changed people change people without trying. So for so many years, I butted my head up against the wall trying to change everyone else. And the moment that I changed me to step up to do something differently, all of a sudden I realized what self-love is, what self-respect is, and what holding tight to not allowing my ego to rule my actions was, that changed me forever. That has given me the opportunity to not ego box with people and to see that I can walk away proud of my behavior because I didn't lower myself to someone else's standards.
1: That was one of my favorite stories in your book, and it's filled with so many that really are those practical moments that each and every one of us have or do encounter in our life where It so often can look like it's about the other person or the outside, but we have that opportunity, like you said, to stop and to really say, where am I in this? And, and where's my own responsibility? Or, you know, how can, can I handle this differently or speak differently? And you, you talk about, you know, letting go of that need to be right and accepting what is and setting the boundaries. And these are all steps towards that path of self-love, authenticity, and truly living lives in a happier, more successful way.
2: Absolutely. And that's the reason for our existence, don't you think? I do. I think we're here to be happy, and I think we're here to shake off that happiness on everyone else that we meet.
1: Most definitely. With writing the book, what experience did you notice in the course of the writing of this book, were there any other deeper realizations for you personally that came through just the process of allowing yourself to revisit different scenarios and then garner the wisdom to be shared?
2: Absolutely. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Let me just share. <laughs> As an author yourself, you will know. But, you know, when you've never done something, Simran, this is the first time you've ever done it, so you don't know. There were three other books before this one. They were rough drafts. And it was actually the process of me going through the blaming because one of the titles of those book, the books was Being an Ass is a Choice. So I had to move from that particular <laughs> way of thinking It was a little more graphic than that. However, I I really couldn't... (laughs) It was one of those evaluation moments. Wait a second, is that really what I want to say? So what you have said is, yes, this process that we go through to get to the place where we really want to be or at least a good jumping-off point for the rest of our lives because I will always be a work in process is is to really identify what it is about us that can change. And part of that process of writing this book over a 10-year period and uh, not only a lesson in a huge amount of patience uh, and, and self-respect and self-love to make myself do it, but also to really let go of any of the blame that I still had, any of the resentment, any of the pain that I still carried. So it was a cathartic process of putting my heart on paper, which not only got me to this spot, but also, from what I hear, helps people move through their life in their own ways, too. Beautiful.
1: The book is entitled Lead With Your Heart, Creating a Life of Love, Compassion, and Purpose. And the author is Regina Cates. Definitely look her up. Check out all that she's about by going to her website, romancingyoursoul.com. That's romancingyoursoul.com. It's definitely a book that's going to move you into places to allow you to really start living in a more authentic, loving way towards yourself. Join me next week as my guest is Shavasti. It is the first of a series of three shows where we are going to be diving into his profound work on family constellations, revealing the nature of self-love and hatred, and also discovering the real self between all the mass, beneath all the masks. So join us next week with Shivasti. Until then, in love, of love, with love, and as love, I'm Simran Singh. Be well.